0: Well, good morning. They let me out of the pine every once in a while and uh, let me come up here and and hang out with you guys. So uh, glad to be here this morning. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn to the book of James. Pastor David and I have been preaching through uh, James for a little while now since uh, maybe the tail end of the summer. And uh, we finished it out last week in Pine and uh, if you've been keeping up online, it's all it's all there. If you haven't been keeping up you know, and you want to, uh, check it out. But we're going to um, look at the last two verses of James chapter 5 today. So uh, James chapter 5, uh, verses 19 and 20. So just give you a little background uh, before we get into those verses, um, James talks about in chapter 1, uh, he shows us how to handle trials uh, according to our faith. In chapter 2, he talks about how we treat people uh, who are not like us uh, according to our faith. Uh, Chapter 3, he talks about how we control our tongues and the things that we say, the words that we use according to our faith. Uh, In chapter 4, he talks about how we handle conflict according to our faith. Uh, In chapter 5, up to the point that we're at today, uh, he encourages us in light of all of these things to anticipate uh, the return of Christ. According to our faith, and James's big message is that that if you say you have faith, then you ought to have a life uh, that shows something about what you believe in the way that, that you live. And so as we get to the last two verses of James chapter five, I'm just going to read verses 19 and 20, he says, uh, "My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins." Now, one of the things that James uh, gets accused of a lot uh, is kind of changing thoughts. Right. he talks about kind of one thing, and it seems like he very quickly shifts to another thing and then shifts to another thing and another thing. But but as you go through the book, you, you realize that when you're looking through the lens of the gospel, the lens of what Christ has done for us that we could and would never do for ourselves, that, that there's a thread that goes through the book of James uh, and that he really is reminding us, um, not necessarily as explicitly as maybe some of Paul's epistles, but very implicitly uh, of the truth of the gospel uh, in all of these things. And so So as we consider the book and we get to where we're at today, he's talking about those who wander. And so he starts off, verse 19, saying, my brothers. And that tells us that he's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to to those who, who show up here and say, this is my church. He says, my brothers. He's addressing fellow Christians. Then he says, if anyone among you now, sometimes we have to, to do a little bit of work to translate uh you know the original language, Greek and, and Aramaic and Hebrew, to, to figure out what he's saying. But, but this is not one of those times. When he says anyone, he literally means like anyone. Right? he's talking to the church and he says, if anyone among you, meaning anyone here in the church, so he's addressing everyone and saying that we, bet, we better pay attention. If anyone among you wanders, what does he mean when he says, Wanders you you can kind of think of maybe a word that you've heard before as we talk about people who backslide Right, Maybe people who, who live a season of life where just their profession of faith doesn't line up with their manner of living uh, in, in a way that, that maybe we would question uh, that person's profession of faith. Um, but what I think James really is meaning here is not necessarily uh, just a backsliding, what we would call a backsliding Christian, but but really um, someone who who is apostate. And that's a big word, but it just means that someone who has walked away from the faith. Uh, who has said that this Christianity thing, it's not for me anymore. Jesus isn't for me anymore. The Bible's not for me anymore. And here's what's sobering about this. So again, he's talking to the church, brothers or brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders, what he's saying is that anyone among you could wander. And that should put a little bit of fear in us. Not a cowering kind of a fear, but that should be a sobering statement for us to know that any one of us could wander. Now, what is it that he's saying that we could wander from? That's important to know. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, not wanders from a truth, not someone who wanders from their truth, but someone who wanders from the truth. He's telling us that there is a standard that we can wander from. There's a standard as Christians that we hold to, right? The word of God, the Bible, we believe is inerrant, infallible Holy Spirit-inspired truth. And James is warning the brothers and the sisters in the church not to wander from that truth. We, we live in a cultural moment right now where you might hear a lot of people talking about your truth and my truth. right? I have, I have my truth. And if my truth is different than your truth, well, this is what's true for me. And if your truth is different than mine, well, that's what's true for you. And if you think about that kind of a statement, it's it's kind of a ridiculous statement, because in order for something to be true, right, there can't be more than one version of the truth, right? <laughs> because, because something's not true if there's more than one truth. And James is reminding us here that there is a truth, there is a standard by which we live our lives, there is a standard by which we hold one another accountable. I'll come back to that more in a moment, don't let that, that statement scare you off about being held accountable. But, but there is a standard of truth. And James is telling us it's a big deal when, when somebody who professes Christ wanders from that standard of truth. It's a big deal. My brothers, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. So what he's not saying is when someone who wanders from the truth, that when the pastors bring a person back. He's not saying when someone wanders from the truth, if, if somebody who's super spiritual brings them back, but but when someone wanders from the truth and anyone brings that person back, there's an implication in this statement that we all kind of have this responsibility for one another, to to watch out for one another. Like if if it's possible that I could wander, if it's possible that you could wander, if anyone could wander then we all have a responsibility to one another to pay attention to that wandering and to engage in the bringing back of the wanderer. Does that make sense? Now, that might freak some of you out, but, but this really is a beautiful thing. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1-2, to 2, he says, Brothers or brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so, Paul saying something similar to what James is saying: If anyone is caught in, in a transgression, so that could be any any one of us. If anyone is caught in a transgression or caught in a sin, or if anyone wanders, you who are not super spiritual, but you just you who are spiritual, right? You who profess faith in Christ should. Not not saying that, that maybe you could, but that you should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, it's not incumbent upon us to go after the wanderer in offense that they wandered, right? We can do that. But that we should restore one another in a spirit of gentleness. And the reason that he tells us that is because he says, keep watch on yourself because that could be you. You could be the wanderer. Right, You can be the wanderer, and so keep watch on yourself or pay attention to yourself. And as you pay attention to yourself and as you pay attention to others, he says to bear one another's burdens. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. And this immediately gives us a picture of the good news of the gospel. Christ bore our burdens. He bore our sin. He did for us a thing that we couldn't do for ourselves allowing us to have a right relationship with the Father because of what Christ has done. And so if Christ has done that for us, and if that's true, then the way that we ought to live with each other is is a similar manner, that we ought to bear one another's burdens, that we ought to do for others, for someone else, what that person can't do for themselves. If I wander, the implication here is that I'm not capable of bringing myself back from wandering. And you're not capable. So we need somebody to do for us something that we can't do for ourselves. Does that make sense? He goes on in verse 20. So my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, verse 20, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So here's this word, whoever. So anyone, someone, whoever. James is talking to all of us. He, he's not singling anybody out. He's not singling out the Bible study leaders or the home group leaders or the Sunday school teachers. He, he's, he's talking to all of us. Someone, anyone, whoever. Whoever brings back, whoever engages, in other words, in the effort of spiritual search and rescue. We, we live in an area where search and rescue, like they, they do a lot around here, right? It's not uncommon for us to, to turn on KTVZ one night and you hear that search and rescue had to go rescue somebody at Smith Rock that fell when they were rock climbing or they hiked up to the top and they twisted an ankle or something like that. Or on the mountain, you know, somebody was skiing down the mountain and they, they fell into a tree well or something and search and rescue is activated to go do for that person what that person can't do for themselves, right? To get them down the mountain or down the hillside. This is the picture that James is giving us here is that, that as a church, as a fellowship of believers, that, that we act as a sort of a spiritual search and rescue for each other when the time comes. What a comfort that is to know that if I wander that somebody, somebody's going to come find me and bring me back from my wandering, that whoever brings back a sinner, Right? We don't just bring back anybody. Right? We're not called to, uh, to go necessarily out into the world and be the moral police and point the finger at people who don't live the way that we think that they ought to live. This isn't what James is saying. But whoever brings back a sinner, somebody who's spiritually lost, whoever brings back a sinner from their wandering, who, who engages in spiritual search and rescue and helps this person to get back on the path, gets points in heaven no, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> he says, whoever brings back the sinner from their wandering saves their soul. Don't, don't let it be lost on you how big of a deal this is. We, we don't engage in spiritual search and rescue for like, I don't engage in it for my benefit. I don't engage in spiritual search and rescue. So God will be happy with me I don't engage in spiritual search and rescue, so God will look down at me and say, well, you did all these great things, therefore I'm going to do some great things for you. Right? We don't subscribe to that kind of a, of a view of who God is. But whoever brings back a sinner from their wandering will save their soul from death. Now, what do you think of when you think about death? You probably think about um, heart stops beating. Lungs stop expanding and contracting. Organs fail, right? Body ceases to, to function. When the Bible talks about death, it talks about far more than just the body ceasing to function. When the Bible talks about being rescued from death, it's talking about being rescued from eternity, separated from our Creator. Right? This is far more than just stopping breathing or stopping pumping blood. That When we engage in spiritual search and rescue, we, we have the opportunity to play a part in saving the soul from death. Now, let's be clear that it's God who does the saving, not you and me. Right? We need to be really clear about that. But, but, but how is it that God saves? Right? God, God saves by using you and I to proclaim the message of the gospel throughout the world. He uses us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that those who have experienced reconciliation to God, those who have have come into right relationship with God, now have been given the ministry of reconciliation, meaning that if you have a right relationship with God, that you've now been given the role to go out into the world and help other people come into a right relationship with God. And 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that this is how God makes his appeal to the world, and that it is, in fact, God's plan, not a good idea, although it is that, not one plan of many, right? Not plan A, and then that doesn't work. We move to plan B, and it's the plan, the plan that God has. Those who have been reconciled to Him will take part in helping others come become reconciled to God. That's a beautiful thing, and when we do that, we participate in. Helping save souls from a spiritual death. There's no greater thing that one person can do for another than that. Now, what James has in view here, he's speaking to the church. Remember this, right? So he's speaking to those who wander from the faith. But but there can also be some implications about you know those who have yet to be a part of the church. For those who have yet to come to faith. That we get to participate in pulling people from the grip of death. And when we do that, James says that that covers a multitude of sins. I was listening to a pastor I regularly listened to several years ago, and he had a message that was titled, Eternal Security is a Community Project. What he meant by that is that there is a sense in which we have a responsibility for one another's faith. Romans chapter 12 talks about that, that we are members of one another. All throughout the New Testament, Paul uses this analogy with respect to the church as being as if it were a body, like a physical body. Right? And you think of your own physical body. You have hands and you have feet and toes and fingers and all kinds of different body parts ears, eyes, nose, mouth, you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, all those things. You have all these body parts, and it would be ridiculous for one of the parts of your body to think that they could survive a part from the body, right? If your thumb decides one day, yeah, you know what? I'm done with you guys. I'm going to go do like your thumb wouldn't survive without your body. If you were to cut your thumb off, it wouldn't survive, right? And then your body would be wounded as a result. And when this pastor was talking about eternal security being a community project, he was meeting that, that we have a responsibility to one another as a followers of Christ, but also followers of Christ who fellowship at a local church together part of what we sign up for is that I'm signing up to have responsibility for you and you're signing up to have responsibility for me. We're signing up that, that if, if any of us are ever to wander, that we would engage in this act of spiritual search and rescue. This makes me think of a, a time when I was in high school. I, was, uh, I, I grew up in Prineville, for, you know, where Prineville is, and, and Crook County High School uh, for years and years and years has been known for wrestling. And so I was a wrestler. I wasn't very good at it, but if you grow up in, in Crook County and you're a boy, you just you wrestle. it's what you do, right and And so there was one day after wrestling practice, I was in the locker room, and there was another guy on the team, his name was Buddy, perfect name for a, a bully uh, and buddy he he was a big guy, and he was he was pretty proud about how big of a guy he was. And I wasn't a very big guy at all. And there was this day that he come up to me in the locker room, and he just shoved me out of the way into the lockers. And immediately I punched him in the stomach and I got him like right in the spot, you know, like there's a spot where it just takes all your breath. Like that's where I got him is in the spot. Um, and immediately my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> I took a step back, like my legs went into action and, and, and pulled me back and my mouth like, I'm sorry, buddy, please don't kill me. I'll never do this again. You know, my mouth just started to make all kinds of excuses. And, and that might be a silly analogy, but but think about my fist wandered right and did a dumb thing and the rest of my body reacted to to make up for my wandering fist right think about that in the context of what James is talking about here when somebody wanders they wander from the faith they wander off of the path how how do we react how do we, if it's true that we're a body, like if Paul calls us a physical body, and if we are members of one another, and if we belong to one another, and if we have responsibility for one another, how is it that we react when our body wanders? In that moment for me, my mouth didn't start cursing my fist. Hey, you idiot, what'd you do that for? That, that didn't happen. My, my mouth reacted to protect me, right? To protect the rest of my body. And this is kind of what James is talking about here, That as we consider the one who wanders. And it's not our role to be offended at the one who has left us. Although sometimes we do that, don't we? It's not our role to, to gossip about the, hey, you know what so-and-so, I saw them today, you know what they're doing? No, that's not it. The, the role of the Christian is, is to react and to protect the one who wanders, to go after the one who wanders. Colossians chapter three verses twelve to fourteen, the apostle Paul writes this he says put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive, and above all these put on love with which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What, what a picture. This is. What a picture this is. All of us are prone to wander. None of us, none of us, no matter how long you've been in the church, no matter how much you know about the Bible, none of us is above the idea that that we can wander. None of us. And so if that's true, then we all ought to look out for one another. We all ought to care for one another in such a way that that we would help prevent one another for, from wandering. Right? There, there might be days when you know I need somebody to point out a blind spot in my life and say, "Hey, brother, I noticed this, and we need to talk about it." Right? That, that's a that's a kindness from God that I would have somebody in my life that would do that for me. It's a kindness from God that you would have somebody in your life that would do that. For you and as the apostle Paul calls us to, that we would do so with compassionate hearts, with kindness, with humility, with meekness, with patience, that we would bear with one another, that we would forgive one another. Right? There are times that we offend one another, don't we? Most of the time it's probably not on purpose, but let's be real. Sometimes maybe it is, right? Sometimes we go the extra mile to offend at times. And the call of the Bible is that we would be patient with one another in those moments and that we would bear with one another, remembering that God has forgiven you. Remembering that God has forgiven me. And as we remember our own forgiveness, the result of that is that we should be willing to issue forgiveness to those who offend us. I'm not saying that's easy, like that's a hard thing, right? It's a hard thing, and it's not simple. It's a difficult thing, but if we believe the gospel to be true, if I believe that Christ has done for me what I could and would never do for myself, then one of the ways that shows that I believe that to be true is that I'll do for somebody else maybe what they can't and won't do for themselves. That Maybe I'll issue forgiveness because I remember that I've been forgiven of much. So there's some implications here uh, as we consider this text. And so here's three that just off the top of my head uh, come come to mind. One implication is that that someone can want the fact that someone can wander from the truth. It implies that there's a standard, and that standard is not subjective. You and I don't get to decide what's true, right? The, the Bible is true, the the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God, and we don't get to decide in the Bible what we like and what we don't like, and what we believe and what we don't like. We take it all, or we take none of it. So so there's a standard of truth, and that standard is not subjective. And so that means that it's also not negotiable, right? We don't negotiate the truth with God. A second implication, the fact that we would know if somebody wanders, that James is, is calling the church to pay attention to this, that implies a faith and a practice that does more than attend a weekly service. Many of us are just super faithful Sunday attenders. But what James has in view here would seem to be more than faithful Sunday attendance. As good as that is, that he's implying more that that we rub shoulders together, that we live life together so that when, when somebody who was part of us is not part of us anymore, that we would know. And I know this is this has been a weird year with with distancing and even a period of time where we weren 't meeting together physically and even now uh, there's people that are staying away, uh, some for very legitimate reasons right um, and so it's hard to know right now maybe who has wandered, but are we paying attention to it? Are we paying attention to it? The third implication, the fact that we're tasked with pursuing those who wander, it implies a, a corporate nature to our faith as opposed to an individual nature of our faith, right? We hear people say often, it's, it's this, this Christian thing, it's just about me and Jesus. It's not about you and Jesus, not solely, right? If, if, that's, if that's you, like you, you're missing something here. There, there's a corporate nature to our faith and a reason that, that churches, local churches exist in the world. There's a reason that, that we don't just have one church for all of Central Oregon, if there's a reason that we have these little churches everywhere. Because there's a corporate nature to our faith as opposed to an individual one. That means that by God's design that we need each other. And again, if, if, it's, if it's possible that I can wander, if it's possible that you can wander, that, that means that we need each other to, to help keep us in the fold, right? So these are some implications that James is getting at here. As we consider the truth of the gospel in this, think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. The Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived that neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And if if we stop right there, we we probably all would would raise a fist and say, yes, right? Keep those people away, we might say. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He he pulls the rug out from under us. He gets everybody stirred up, and he says, and such were some of you. So those people that you might think, yeah, we we don't want people like that in our church. We don't want people who are immoral. We don't want drunkards or idolaters or adulterers we we don't we don't want these people in our church the apostle paul says that was you and i don't think he's saying that like this isn't a comprehensive list i don't think right so don't take it that way (laughs) he's making the point that, that as you're sitting here saying we don't want sinners in our church he's saying you know what you were a sinner before you came to this church maybe even for a time when you were here you were lost in your sin such were some of you and not only that Sinner, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Think about if that's true. And I'm not questioning the truth of it, but logically, think about if that's true. If it's true that that you used to be lost in your sin, and if it's true that now, because of what Christ has done for you, that you've been washed and that you've been sanctified and that you've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean? One of the things that it means is that, that we ought to welcome anybody and everybody into our midst with open arms because they're lost in their sin, just like the time in my life when I was lost in my sin. And we ought to be able to show them what Christ can and will do for them. 2 Corinthians 5, we talked about this earlier, but let me read 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. And regarding someone according to the flesh is what the Apostle Paul was talking about, looking at those people out there and saying how bad they are. We regard no one according to the flesh any longer. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, And so while James is talking to the church here and about those who wander from the church, there are some definite implications about, as I said before, those who have yet to be a part of the church. And so our whole lives as Christians here on the earth is about the act of spiritual search and rescue. Searching for those who have wandered from us and rescuing those who have yet to be a part of us. This is our role as Christians, there's, there's a reason when you come to faith that you don't just get automatically beamed up to heaven. There's a reason. This is the reason right here. Because we have a world full of lost people. And we have a church full of people that can be prone to wander. And so we've been given the responsibility by God himself to care for one another in this way. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. You might be sitting here thinking, I don't, I don't want people up in my business. Right? We live in a pretty individualistic society. And it's easy to say that. I don't the reality is I don't want people up in my business. I don't. But but I recognize because of this and other places in Scripture that that I need it. And that that we're designed to live this way. Right? When we don't live this way, we're we're not living according to the way that God has designed us. We're that thumb that is detached from the body, trying to survive out here when it's impossible to survive when we're detached. And maybe this is a little bit of preaching to the choir because you guys are here this morning, but but understand that what James is talking about is more than just a Sunday church, right? We we have a function to the church, and our function is that we meet every week. Our function is that we have things that happen throughout the week, and we have a calendar where all this all these things are written down, right? That's part of the function of the church. But but there's also a life to the church that that goes far beyond the function of the church. And it's easy, I think, for many of us to be involved in the function of the church, yet be somewhat disconnected from the life of the church. My encouragement to you this morning is to connect to the life of the church, like Paul shared this morning, of wanting to just be more connected, right? You guys see the need for that, to be connected and to be involved in more than the function, to be involved in the life of the church. And understand, Christian, that you need the life of the church. It's not just a nice idea or an ancillary thing to your life. You need it, and you were designed for it, and it may one day be the thing that pulls you back from your wandering, and it may one day be the thing that that you get to engage in pulling somebody else back from their wandering, and that's a beautiful thing that God has given us and designed us for. So I would encourage you to consider this morning this idea of spiritual search and rescue. How we can care for one another with meekness and with humbleness and with gentleness and with caring and with love, not out of our offense, right? That's not caring for somebody at all. That you would consider your need for it, that you would consider your need to engage in it, and that we would all ask ourselves, how is it that we can be better connected to the life of the church and better engaged in the life of the church? With that, we get to uh, we get to celebrate communion this morning. And this is very fitting. Communion is always fitting because we always preach the gospel. And communion is a beautiful picture of the truth of the gospel. And so it always is fitting. But but I think for today, as we're considering our our wandering and how Christ has rescued us, that that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God, that he came after us. The Bible tells us that, that no one seeks God, that we all run hard the other way, yet he comes after us and he has pursued us. And so we get to celebrate even a larger truth than what we talked about today, that we get to consider the one who has rescued us, the one who came after us in our wanderings, the one who did for us the thing that we couldn't do and wouldn't do for ourselves. We, we get to celebrate this morning as we take communion, the picture that it shows us of, of the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ and what that means to us. Christ came after us to the point where he gave his life so that we could be rescued. I don't know that we would go that far, would we, in our pursuing of people that wander, that we would do it to the point where we might give our life. But Christ gave his life so that we could be rescued from our wandering, so that we could enter into right relationship with God by trusting in him and believing in him. And that's a beautiful truth, and it's a beautiful picture. And so as we celebrate communion today, let's not let the truth of the gospel be lost on us. And maybe maybe some of you are here today because somebody came and rescued you, participated in spiritual search and rescue. Don't let the larger truth be lost on you of what Christ has done for you that you could and would never do for yourself. Let me pray for us and then we'll have communion. Father, we're thankful to be here this morning. We're thankful that you love us and that you care for us. We're thankful that when we were in rebellion against you, um, running hard and fast the other way, that that you stopped at nothing to come in pursuit of us. We're thankful, God, that in our sin, that you're not offended by our sin, but that you love us in it. God, we're thankful that, um, that you love us, not because of any merit on our part, but really in spite of us, that you love us anyway and that you care for us. And we're thankful that you have made a way for us to have right relationship with the Father through the ultimate act of spiritual search and rescue. And so I would pray for us today that we would consider those truths and that we would consider uh, our part in uh, caring for one another. We'd consider our part in pursuing those who wander and that we would uh, be kept humble by the fact that it could be us that wanders and that we have people around us that would come and pursue us. So God, help us understand this today. Help us as we celebrate communion uh, to be reminded of the truth of who you are and what you've done for us, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.